Um, all right, uh, if you have a Bible with you, get it out. If you've got a Bible app, open it up. If you need a Bible, just put your hand up, and our ushers are coming around, and we'll get you a Bible that you can use to follow along in. And if you are receiving a Bible and you do not currently have one of your own, take that one with you so that um, you have one. You have the Word of God in front of you at all times. And if you're online um, and you need to run and go get a Bible, just go ahead and do that right now. There's no problem with that at all. All right, for the past few weeks, we've been looking at a series that we're calling Worldview. The theme of this series is seeing the world from God's perspective. And let's be honest here, I think we would all like a new way to see the world. The view that we get of the world from sources like the news and from social media can be very discouraging and totally exhausting at times. But this world is God's creation. He has incredible eternal plans for this world. And we live in a very temporal time as we wait for Jesus to come back and set the world right again. Even embracing that truth gives us a new way to see the world. The world is not going to be like this forever. Jesus is coming back. But how else can we take on a new view of the world? A view filled with hope. One that brings us a great sense of purpose. Well, I'd like to suggest that we start at a point when a very new way to see the world was introduced and that we see what we can learn from that point in time. And so let's start in the book of Acts when Jesus returned to heaven to be with his father and he left his followers with some perspective on the world. So turn to Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at what happened as a result of Jesus coming and spending a few years making disciples. What did Jesus have to say to those disciples? What vision did he leave with them when he left? What else did he leave with them? This is Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. We're going to start there. It's one of three passages we're going to read. Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. It goes like this. Luke writes this. In the first book, O Theophilus... I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right, skip ahead now to chapter 2, the beginning of chapter 2. 
We're going to look at verses 1 through 13. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea and Camp, Cappadocia, Cappadocia, excuse me, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others, mocking, said, They are filled with new wine. All right, we're going to skip the defense of the drunkenness accusation. <laughs> Go to verse 42 in chapter 2. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. All right, there is a lot there to take in. There's no question. But it's an incredibly important time in the life of God's family. And so it's an incredibly important time in our lives as well. There are three things that I want to point out from that time that I think are critical for us. And there are more. There are many important things in these passages. But I want us to focus on these three this morning. First of all, we need to see that Jesus had a vision for his followers. Jesus had a vision for his followers. His visit to earth and, and into the whole human experience was not just a publicity stunt designed to help make us believe in him. Jesus gave his followers for all time a vision of who he saw them to be. In Acts 1.8, Jesus makes this very, very clear. He says, you will be. Not, here's a for those of you who are so inclined. It was a simple statement, you will be. Now, I happen to be one of those people who believe that in that moment, Jesus was speaking to all of his followers, not just the 12. He was speaking to all of us. We were told that he's coming back. In the meantime, we were also told that Jesus has a vision of who we are. And we are his witnesses in our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
I don't think that's ever changed. I don't. Jesus is coming back, and until he does, there's a harvest to bring in. I think he made that clear to us. In Acts 1.11, two angels made it clear to the disciples that Jesus is coming back. They should get out there and live out the vision that he had for them. So the second thing that I saw in our passages is really encouraging. And it's this, God faithfully provides for the vision that Jesus gave his followers. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, we were promised power. And just look at the power that those specific disciples had at that time. But that same power is available to us today for God's purposes. Every moment of every day. It's the power that comes through having God's spirit take up residence in our lives. Look at how God provided for Jesus' disciples in Acts 2.5. God brought people together from all nations of the world into Jerusalem right then at the right point in time. He brought the world to his disciples. And I I have to say this, there are similarities here to what God has done right here in our city. God has brought the world to Minnesota. It's amazing. And then in Acts 2.47, we see that God provided by adding to their number daily those who are being saved. God did. God provided that. But there's one more thing that I want to point out briefly from our passages You and I have been called into that vision that Jesus gave his followers. The same vision that God faithfully provided for for them, he provides for for us. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is the vision. We've seen God's provision, but we also see his call to carry out that vision ourselves. We are his witnesses to our Jerusalem, to our Judea and Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Every one of us stands at at this crossroad at some point in our faith journey. Do I really believe that I was included in Jesus' vision and calling? We have to decide that for ourselves. Is this really for me? Do I believe when, when God told Abraham that his offspring would be a blessing to the entire world, I was included in that promise as a member of Abraham's family? And my answer has to be a resounding yes. Yes, I do believe that. And I know that sometimes we have to face the fears that we have of being his witnesses. Sometimes it's not easy at all. But I don't think we can find a valid argument that makes us an exception to the vision that Jesus gave his followers. That's who we are. And that vision takes on many many different forms. It does not mean that every one of us is being called to shipwrecks and stoning and imprisonment like Paul was. But it does mean that Jesus knows how his vision can be carried out in each of our lives and he's looking for us to surrender to that vision, to that calling that he's placed on us. So let's spend some time now looking at how this calling might play out in our own Jerusalem, in our own Judea and Samaria, in our ends of the earth. Um, I'm going to reverse them as we go through them. I want to start with the ends of the earth since we're coming off a week that focused on that part of the calling, on that part of the vision. Last week we had Julio Volsi here from Haiti Teen Challenge. 
we learned a valuable lesson about how we see the world, didn't we? I want to challenge us with that lesson again right now. It is very easy for us to sit wherever we are in life and simply receive whatever comes at us, particularly from the news or from social media. We sit back and we see what's going on in the world. There's plenty of information out there to fill that cup for us. But I really feel like God's teaching us right now to seek, which is a very different posture than sitting and receiving, to seek what he's doing in the world. We're to seek his kingdom, and his kingdom is very much alive and active in this world. This is a discipline that we should all develop. And we have a built-in way of developing that discipline right here within the ministry of Chapel Hill Church. On our website is a heading called Get Involved. That'll lead you to our outreach page. And there you can see where we're involved in impacting the world on a global level. What we did with Julio last Sunday can be done with any of the missionaries that we partner with at any time. I would love to see us reach out to them as they serve around the world and ask them what God is doing where they serve. That practice will absolutely help change the way that we see the ends of the earth. Reach out to the Hips, to the Mashburns, to the Hamiltons, to the Meekers. Follow up with Ben Pierce and Steiger International. God is carrying out his vision to the ends of the earth. And so what's on us is, let's go and see what he's doing. Now, for those of you who do not yet know her, I want to introduce you to Sigrid Lindholm. And Sigrid, why don't you come up now? Um, Sigrid has stepped into the leadership role with our outreach ministry, and her passion for this is absolutely contagious. And so I would like to invite Sigrid now to come and share with us how we can see, love, and impact the world nearby, our Judea and Samaria. So Sigrid, thank you for coming. Is this on? Ah! <laughs> Good morning, everybody. I'm sorry I didn't have time to put my notes on the vellum scroll, so you'll have to bear <laughs> with this uh, dot grid notebook. Um, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Sigrid. Um, as Paul just mentioned. I've been coming to Chapel Hill now for about five years. I live in Egan. I have a husband. I have two kids. They're wonderful. Um, a, little bit, um, a little bit more about me. I, I, went to, I grew up on a farm. I went to UW-Stout, and while I was there, I got involved with an organization um, called CREW, which is an interdenominational um, fellowship group that's on campuses all across the country. Um, when, when I was involved in that group, that was kind of when my faith really became my own. Um, I am a crier. I might cry. I'm just going to say that right now. So bear with me. Um, <clears throat> towards the end of my time at UW-Stout, um, I remember hearing a talk where they talked about the verse John 4.35. Um, and I'm going to squint and read that right now. Um, but Jesus had just been sharing the gospel with the Samaritan woman. 
she was about to go and be a huge witness in Samaria. And his disciples were like, we're over here. Why were you talking to her? But the point of the story is what Jesus then told them. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for the harvest. Um, even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. That verse really um, touched my heart um, in that time, and it still speaks to me now, maybe because it's the living word and the word is always speaking to us. But I ended up serving a year with Campus Crusade. I interned at my campus. I discipled um, women. Um, it was fantastic. Um, you know, I moved on. I got married. I had a family, blah, 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 um, whatever. Um, all of those things are great. I think somewhere along the line for me, um, the line started getting blurred as far as like, well, what does, what does the fields really look like? What, you know, what does it really mean to, to be on outreach or to do outreach? And then we landed here about five years ago, and then about a year ago, um, I got involved with outreach. And what we're trying to do now is to look at our fields here and say, where are our fields? Um, if, you know, if you look at the news, if you read anything or see anything, you might sense that there's a real need out there. Um, over the past few years, we've seen violent crime rise. We've seen mental health issues rise, particularly in young people, to where the Surgeon General, who usually talks about smoking's bad for you, sent out a special report um, about the mental health of young people. Um, we're seeing um, refugees just flowing into this country um, due to upheaval in their own countries. We're seeing hunger needs rise. The fields are here, and they're just outside our door. They're just outside of this room. Um, and so I'm just going to highlight a few things. Um, yeah. Now I have to turn my page. Actually, I have to turn two pages because I got off script. <laughs> um, I just want to say, though, wherever God has touched your heart or given you a passion, he will use that for his glory in reaching people. So whatever gifts you've been given, he will use those. It's not that you have to be Billy Graham and plan, you know, big, huge, you know, tent revivals with, you know, praise hands and all of that stuff. It's people in your community. It's maybe your neighbors who have those political signs, whatever they might be, in their yard. It might be the person who's walking through a divorce and just needs a caring friend. Um, okay, I got off script again. Sorry. All right. Here's some of the ministries that we partner with. Um, Arrive Ministries, they are currently facing trying to help um, settle refugees um, here in Minnesota. 
they have seven times more refugees than they have had in years prior. I think there's a field there. Um, there's local ministries that work on feeding the hungry, 360 degrees. Um, it's a food pantry. They've seen their needs go up. Every Meal Counts, um, formerly known as Sheridan's Story, they've seen their um, need for backpack meals just skyrocket exponentially over the past couple of years. Um, Feed My Starving Children, we just did an event, um, actually two packing events with them. Um, they're feeding kids globally because um, there's huge needs there. Um, Damascus Way also helps people who are transitioning out of prison into normal life. Like there's huge needs, you guys. Um, I could go on and on and on. But basically, um, I'm here to start a conversation with you guys. I would love to hear what you have to think. Um, I would love to brainstorm with you and to take our outreach into be reaching out in the community and not just, you know, being here in our box. Um, so I will also be by the board that has all of our local ministries and we are going to be having a meeting in a couple of weeks to brainstorm more ideas. I would love your help. Um, and I'm super excited to see what God's going to do. I think our harvest is here, and it's going to be huge. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, you have an opportunity now to know who she is, to go and meet her, to go talk to her, um, and to just to find out how, how you can get involved. Um, there is so much power when a church comes together and, and serves together and, and shares that common vision and prays together and, and plans together and brainstorms and, and then just goes and, and works together. I mean, we had a great time on Friday. We went and, and served with the Feed My Starving Children packing event um, over in Burnsville and um, just to, be a, to see the local church come together and be a part of, of packing hundreds of thousands of meals um, to go to different places around the world. And there are all kinds of opportunities. Um, and, and thank you, Sigrid, for pushing through on this and for creating opportunities for us. There are going to be plenty more that are out there. Um, get engaged in this. Th this kind of, of serving will change the way that you see the world. It will. It has a profound and eternal impact on how you see the world. All right, that leaves us with our Jerusalem. How can we change the way we see our Jerusalem? And when I say Jerusalem, I'm not talking about Minneapolis, St. Paul. I'm talking about our neighborhood, our workplaces, um, the kinds of, of areas where we interact on a daily basis, the people closest to us. About five years ago, we worked through a series of messages called the Jerusalem Mandate. Our focus in that series was on our neighborhoods. We worked through an approach to our neighborhoods that includes seeing the people around us, loving the people around us, and impacting our neighborhoods as well. If you go site, you can see much of that, much of that material um, or be connected to the messages that I, I preached on specific steps in that approach. Um, we, we talked through a bunch of different steps, a bunch of things you can do. We, we learned how to pray for our neighborhood, map our neighborhood, meet our neighbors, connect deeper with our neighbors, love our neighbors, 
Identify people of peace in our neighborhoods. Learn about our neighbor's faith. Cast a vision of hope. Invite our neighbors and guide our neighbors to follow Jesus. And we'll circle back to these kinds of ideas on a regular basis. Um, There's a series on Right Now Media that I can point you to called The Art of Neighboring. Great place to go if you want to grow in this area. Um, there's so much that we can do. If you want to, um, there's, a, there's a book that I just started that uh, I'll share more with you um, about this book in the future, but it's called Grace Bomb, and it's just a great approach to your neighbors and, and how to reach them uh, with the love and grace of Jesus. Um, recently, we did a series called Influencers. It also helps us see how we can influence, how we do influence the people around us. And this is something, church, that we can always be growing in. There's so much that we can do to embrace the calling and identity that we've received from Jesus. Let's end this message with a, an important action step that we can apply right now. Um, and, and here's how I set it up. I think we need an upgrade. I think we need an upgrade. I mean, we all want upgrades, right? The idea of upgrading our car Our kitchen, our couch, our TV, the seat on the plane, that kind of stuff excites us. We like upgrades. What if we got that excited about upgrading our lives to better engage the identity and the calling that God has given us as followers of Jesus Christ? We talked about upgrading from what's happening in the world to what God is doing in the world. That's an upgrade. We need an upgrade from how we see the world as humans to how the creator of the world sees it. We need an upgrade from the life that we can create for ourselves to the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. We need an upgrade from our temporal view of this world to God's eternal view of this world. What if we upgraded to a life that doesn't just benefit ourselves, but benefits others first, knowing that we truly do benefit ourselves from living like that? What if we trade some things in? Think back to our view of our Jerusalem, our Judea and Samaria, and our ends of the earth. What if we traded in one meal out at a restaurant for a backyard barbecue that we invite our neighbors to? What if we traded in one evening out at the movies for a couple hours of serving in our community? What if we traded in one vacation abroad for a short-term mission trip abroad instead? Church, we need an upgrade. Whatever we can do to open our eyes to a new way of seeing this world will be life-changing for us. Let's see the world the way God sees it and join him in whatever he might be doing here in Jerusalem, in our Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up now. Let's just spend a moment in prayer as they come and prepare, and then we'll return to a time of worshiping God with our voices. Let's pray together. And my suggestion this morning is this, as you place yourself before the throne of God, that you simply make this request. Father, give me an upgrade.
And I know full well that many of you are serving in many ways and that you do see the world through God's eyes. And this is just something that we want to continuously grow in. So put that before God right now. God, how can I grow in this? Father, I ask that you would help us as a church, as individuals and as a church body to continue to grow in this to see the world through your eyes, to love the world with the love of Christ, to impact the world by laying our lives on the line, to be used by you for your purposes and your kingdom, and to embrace the fact that the, the harvest is ripe all around us. No matter what the world may think of Christians or the church right now, we're presenting them with you, and we couldn't do any better. So God, will you just continue to shape us in this way, continue to grow in us a passion, a vision, a commitment to being your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Thank you that you confidently call us that. That is the identity that you have for us. It is not for the select few, but it is for every one of us. And you have millions of different ways in which you can do that. So God, we come and we just lay our lives down in front of you again and just ask. Just ask for you to use us for the sake of your kingdom. To fulfill the vision that Jesus gave us. And to carry out the calling that you've placed on our lives. And the identity that you've given us. Father, I thank you for all the ways in which this church does this. For all the stories I hear of people who have reached out to their neighbors, to their co-workers, um, who have shared the love of Christ with so many people. And you know this is not coming from any sort of spirit of judgment or criticism, not at all. There's so much happening here. You know it's my desire that we continue to, to lean into this, to, to push into this area of, of becoming more and more like Christ in the way that we impact the world around us. Father, I thank you that you have given us the power to do this. We're not on our own. You've given us your spirit dwelling in us and the same things that your spirit accomplished in the book of Acts, your spirit can do that right now through us. So I pray that you would just keep showing us demonstrations of your power over and over again, that we would join you in what you're doing See things the way you see them. See people the way you see them. See this world the way you see it. Be filled to overflowing with your love for this world. And be quick and willing to step out and, and do anything that we can to be a part of that vision that you've given us. Thank you, God, for this time together and for your presence here for this church family and all that you're doing in our midst. Thank you for their generosity, for their love, for their boldness and courage, for the sacrifice that they make day in and day out for the sake of your kingdom. Thank you that your desire is just to continue to grow this in us so that we can be a bright light on a hill, drawing people to you over and over and over again. Pray that you would accomplish that through us. And I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, your son. Amen.